How are the men? Fine, sir, fine. We scrape together a little meat and a coconut. Okay, yes, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen. Are we both on this time? I think so. Okay. So this is technically take two of this episode, kids. A, w- a, a week, week later. later. Yeah. Because A, Jeff didn't have the microphone set up correctly, and you can only hear me really well, and you can't hear Jeff at all, and no one wants to listen to that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I'm literally a zombie, because we didn't realize the movie was as long as it was, plus we went and got food. It was just bad. It was I'm a just long like, day. It was a 20-minute episode, and we need to do better than that for you guys. So... So here's what we're doing better. Here! We're doing it better, because it's two in the afternoon, and I'm not a zombie. Does this make up for Ben Hurt? Maybe. Okay. Sweet. We don't have to do better. This is the first episode that we've redone, <laughs> not because of like severe technical issues. Because yeah. Toy Story, we had to do twice. Yeah, and that cause... episode was an hour and a half that we had to redo. Because truthfully, this episode, we could have let it go and let it be released. No. But because I'm there, but I sound like I'm across the room shouting at you the entire time. Kind of how was... I probably sound on Super Happy Fun Time because I'm all the way across the room. Yeah. yeah. Shouting as yep. we're talking. <laughs> but hey, so. I'm here. Look, the waveform even says yeah, it so. is. Woo! Yay! Yay. Okay. okay. So. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, kids, to movie number 36. 36. That was the yes. other thing we messed up on the first take. We said it was 37. Okay. That's my fault. I called Movie it number 36. Yeah. Which is The Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah. From 1957, two hours and 41 minutes, and it's an adventure drama war movie. 8.3 out of 10. Uh, no meta score. Directed by David Lean. Written by Pierre Boulet, I think is how we decided we were going to say. I believe so. B-O-U-L-L-E. Better known as the guy who wrote the... Who wrote the book. Uh, the wrote the book that the movie's based on, and also the Planet of the Apes book. Yep. Same author. Yep. Which is funny, because in the beginning of the movie, like one of the first scenes, there's... Oh, God, I'm, I'm spacing on the character, on the actor's name now. Um, not uh, Al Guinness, but William the other Holden. guy. William Holden, thank you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. He's standing in like basically like a loincloth. Yes. And he's with another guy who's also doing it. They're all dirty and sweaty and they're in front of like this like like weirdly crudely built like hut. And I'm like, God, this looks like the Planet of the Apes. It looks like the Planet of the Apes. Right? And then yeah, it turns out it's the same author. And then ten years later they Oh no, we have to try and redo that guy's last name. Oh, I'm not Hayakawa. Hayakawa? Hayakawa. I think we got it. Oh, we nailed it better this time Hayakawa, than we did the first yes. time Because I'm awake. Yeah, I know. I'm not like, let's get this episode done so I can go home and go to bed because it's like 7.15. I have to be in bed in 15 minutes. <laughs> Lindsay's got a sleep pattern. That... Did we do it on Thursday last week? Uh, possibly. I actually do not remember when we did it. It's a little bit of If a we did it on Thursday, I was actually really tired Friday mm-hmm. morning for work, so I'm not sure. Anyway... So, the summary, after settling his differences with a Japanese POW camp commander, a British colonel co-operates, sorry, it's it's literally spelled co-operates, to oversee his men's construction of a railway bridge for their captors while oblivious to a plan by the Allies to destroy it. Oh, also, sorry, starring William Holden and Alec Guinness are the people you'll know. Okay, pretty much the two people that you'll know yeah. from this entire film. William Holden. If you know the other one's good on you, but I don't. So. Alec Guinness, um, obviously, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. That's sadly... Well, and I know he was in the... What? Um, 
Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, thank you. I was completely spaced. No, I was only saying I wasn't judging you while I was saying Lawrence of Arabia. I was trying to. I was thinking to him like, is it Lawrence of Arabia? That's that's the one that is probably the only. I I don't even. I don't want to like pigeonhole him, but like that's probably the two films that you'll know. You'll know him as Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry. That's that's what you will in fact know him from, from the original, not Ewan McGregor. (laughs) No. Elon. Age age difference there. Just a little bit. Well, Lindsay, did you uh, did you? Have... What was my summary? I it was, was something like no. Didn't you copy it down? I. It's on the website. I was gonna. I think. I was Go look. look. I it's was something look about why is Obi Wan building a bridge or something like. This is the one time the website's not gonna work. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it is something like Obi Wan should just use the Force to build the bridge or something like that. <laughs> If that's not what it is, I like that better. Why isn't Obi Wan just using the Force to build the bridge? You know what? That's much better. That's a much better one. We were just we're gonna go with that one. Forget whatever it was before. <laughs> I'll just I'll mark that. Okay. Okay. So that's the uh, that's oh yeah sure. Now the website decides yep. it wants to load after we've made that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well. Well, let's move on to um let's move on to awards. Awards and whatnot. Awards and whatnot. That sounds like an interesting. That would actually okay. So that's the new title for the awards and technology section. I guess. Okay. Awards and whatnot, just because right. awards and whatnot. Technology. Really I like that awards have. and whatnot. That's good. <laughs> um, all right, so this film had a total of thirty-six total award nominations, mm-hmm. eight of which were Oscar nominations. Eight Oscar nominations. Nice. So basically, it's one of those like ow, ow. big giant Oscar films. Which, if you watch the film, you can totally see that like you can tell this is one of those types of movies that will be nominated for a bunch of oscars the oscars that it was nominated for but did not win was best actor in a supporting role for the hayakawa gentleman yes mr hayakawa i, do I not, we can't do I, his first i can't name. do his first we'll name. just call him mr hayakawa mr hayakawa uh, i like that <laughs> i'm chewing my gum i'm sorry um <sighs> it's fine did you just swallow your gum yeah that's the second piece I've swallowed today, too. Ew! <laughs> it's gonna be like eight years from now. Yep. All right. Um, so then the Oscars that it was nominated for and won yep. would be Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role for Sir Alec Guinness, Best Director. So I don't think we called him Sir Alec Guinness no. either in the last episode. I'm positive he is Sir Alec Guinness, right? He Did is. He not oh, get oh yeah, he's okay, Sir Alec that's Guinness. That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, best Writing slash Screenplay based on material from another medium, basically. Best screenplay based upon a book, best film editing, best music slash scoring, and best cinematography. Now, here's my little whatnot portion of, okay. this, of, of this section because I remember talking about this last time. The the two screenwriters, uh, the Carl Foreman and Michael Wilson, yes, were both not Michael G. Wilson, not Michael G. Wilson. <laughs> Not we the, did it last time. Too. Not the producer of the Bond films. No. <laughs> who has in fact written some of the Bond also movies. Also not Michael Winslow who not does Michael the sound Winslow. effects yes, for the, the Police Academy movies. Not, not the black gentleman who's Not is. Michael G. Wilson. <laughs> but um so uh, Carl Foreman and Michael Wilson at the time this film came out were both blacklisted in Hollywood. Uh, due to personal beliefs, it was during the whole, like, uh, you know, you're a communist, you're a communist, and they were just blacklisting people. Other people on that list were, like, Charlie Chaplin, and, um, oh, I remember looking it up, and I saw one other actor on there that I was amazed was on there. I, was it? It wasn't Dennis Hopper. It was somebody, there was another, uh, I remember, famous person I pointed out, and I can't space it on the name. Anyways, so because of the time, they were both blacklisted from Hollywood, 
neither one of them received a credit on the film for their work on the screenplay. Right. The only person who ever received credit was the original author of the book. Mm-hmm. He, now the film won Best Screenplay, so just the original author of the book received the Oscar. Right. The other two guys did not receive squat because they were not credited. Now, in 1984, both gentlemen posthumously received their right. Oscars. Uh, the You uh, said posthumously correctly. I tried very hard. <laughs> posthumously. Posthumously. Um but they both had received their, their Oscar in eighty four when the Academy basically realized, oh crap, we screwed up or well, they screwed up thirty years ago for not giving them the Oscar. Right. Um however, sadly, obviously, as I said, both gentlemen were already dead at the point yes. that they received the Oscars, which kind of sucks, but at least at least the Academy went, Okay, we're sorry. This is this they deserve these Oscars. <laughs> So uh, uh, then, and and since then, like the I want to say, like the restoration of the film mm-hmm. that they did within the last ten years or so, they uh, they digitally put both writers' names back in the opening credits, right? Uh, along with the author of the book, I believe. So now it's corrected when you watch the movie. The version we watched had the correct authors' names or the correct writers' names right. in there too. So and then finally, the film was entered into the National Film Registry in nineteen ninety seven. Oh, did you mention that last I time? might have forgot about that the last time, so we mentioned it this time. So yes, the film is in the National uh, Film Registry, so it will be preserved forever. You need to find me pretty. this documentary. Okay. About Pretty in Pink? No. In 1991, filmmaker John Hughes disappeared from Hollywood. In 2008, foreign filmmakers went to find him. Oh, interesting. The documentary, for those of you listening, is called Don't, Don't You, you forget, forget About Me. me. Looks interesting. I'm going to check will... if it's on Netflix real quick. I'll... Sorry, sidebar. <gasps> we were doing so good. You know, the last episode was 25 minutes long. Yeah, we're all almost at 10 minutes. Yeah. It's more fun when I get distracted. <laughs> and not when I'm so laser focused because I want to be done. And I'm, and I'm just sitting here the entire time going, Lindsay. <laughs> I was listening to you. I know. Either way. So, um, yes, that would be... That's all I got for my section. I don't have a whole lot additional stuff for, like, the stuff and things and Inflation Nation, but, uh... I'm glad you saved your notes, because... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I always write my notes down specifically so... If something happens, well, I also do it for the website, too, so I can just copy them over. I don't have to, like, transcribe the episode. (laughs) I'm lazy. Not lazy. I'm efficient. That's the correct term. You can't even buy it on Amazon. I have no idea where it is. That's well, interesting. Release date, look, 2010. I will huh. look to see if I cannot find it somewhere. Okay, sounds good. While you continue with your section okay, of the podcast. Okay, let me get back to Bridge on the River Kwai yes. and out of Andrew McCarthy. Welcome back to let, Bridge Let me on the get River out Kauai. of Andrew McCarthy real quick. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I love Andrew McCarthy, though. <laughs> hey, I don't, I don't blame you. The man was I was talking about it with funny. my mom, so... About it was actually about 10, 11 years ago is when I first started getting like way into eighties movies. Mm-hmm. It's when I like legitimately watched like, and it's really sad that it wasn't until like the summer before my senior year. But I think these movies were speaking to me more at that point, like Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and Sixteen Candles and Oh my God, Saint Elmo's Fire will always be my favorite. And I'm sure this has come up on the podcast. A I know you times. mentioned Saint Elmo's Fire, and before. I don't know why because I watched it way before I was you know graduated from college and technically I haven't even like completely graduated from college ever completely but it's just I don't know that movie's great anyway 
I don't know. I watched. I watched movies like. But I'm. I'm mannequin at, and Weekend at Bernie's. I found my mannequin ago. DVD today. I watched Mannequin so many times as a child. I've never seen the second one though. I have. I'm sorry. It is a terrible film. But I've also never seen Weekend <laughs> at Bernie's, which has got Andrew McCarthy in it, who I love, and love it just I've never one. seen it. Actually, I love both Weekend at Bernie's. I like the second one too. It's just goofy as hell. What does Rachel say her favorite movie is? Dangerous Liaisons. What's her actual favorite movie? Weekend, Weekend at, at Bernie's. Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Friends. So, trivia for trivia. Bridge on the River Kwai. We are over halfway with what the episode was before. And okay. all we've accomplished is what episode it is <laughs> and the awards. And who's in it. And who's and in the it. the summary. <laughs> we didn't even talk about whether we liked it or not yet. No. No. You guys can wait for We're that. We're just going to say that. If you're listening to this episode, you can wait. All right. So, Colonel Saito was inspired by Major Rizaburo Saito, who, unlike the character portrayed in the film, was said by some to be one of the most reasonable and humane of all the Japanese officers, usually willing to negotiate with the POWs in return for their labor. Such was the respect between Saito and Lieutenant Colonel Tuzi, a substitute Nicholson, that Tuzi spoke up on Saito's behalf at the War Crimes Tribunal after the war, saving him from the gallows. Ten years after Tuzi's death in 1910, 75, Saito made a pilgrimage to England to visit his grave. Nicholson is Alec Guinness's character, Got so it. Tuzi is the real life Nicholson. Because you're gonna, we're gonna, um, one of your trivia pieces was that, like, the, like, what this film is, like, it's not entirely factual. No, it's not. It's, it's one of those, like, based on a true story Yeah, type based thing. on actual events. Yes, that's better. Yes. Because it's not an actual story. They put a story kind of together, together. from the events. Yeah. Why am I yawning? Oh my god. Why am I yawning? It is 2.10 in the afternoon. It's because I have this response <laughs> if I start reading trivia and I yawn. I don't know why. It's the pressure. I don't think your body knows what time it is. No, it <laughs> doesn't. I didn't yawn that much at work this morning either. That may be part of it. So your body just saved it all. Up. Yeah. <laughs> You're podcasting today. Let's yawn a lot. Yes. Okay. During shooting, Alec Guinness continued to have doubts about his performance and the direction he was getting from David Lean. To put Guinness at ease, Lean decided to show the actor a rough cut of certain sequences. One night, Lean ran over an hour's worth of footage for Guinness with the actor's wife and son also in attendance. During the screening, nothing was said. At the end, the Guinness family thanked Lean and promptly walked out, leaving the director without a clue as to what to think of their reaction or lack thereof. Later that night, Lean received a visit from his lead actor, who told him that he and his family had decided that Nicholson was the best thing that Guinness had ever done. Awesome. Elephants that were used in building the actual bridge, not the bridge in the, not the bridge that is seen in the movie. There's no elephants in the movie building yes. the bridge. These are the elephants that were actually used to build the bridge. Would take breaks every four hours <laughs> and would lie around in the water whether the crew wanted them to or not. Because they are elephants. <laughs> they are elephants. And they will do what they want. Yes. That's how the elephant do. <laughs> This was the first film, or sorry, when this film was first aired on commercial television in the United States. It was run on a Sunday night in September of 1966, the 25th to be exact. ABC TV preempted its entire evening schedule so the film could be aired in one night as opposed to two parts on consecutive nights. Like they used to. This was considered a bold move at the time. It was the longest single network telecast of a film up until then, three hours and ten minutes with commercials. Ford Motor Company was the lone sponsor of the film. <laughs> Beating the previous record set by Laurence Olivier's Richard III from 1955, which was telecast by NBC over three hours in March 
1956. This, it estimated 60 million viewers watched the program. For wow. Bridge on the River Kwai. There's a lot of people. But this is back when there was like four channels. Yeah, and there wasn't really anything else you could do. And PBS. Sorry. Because yes. <laughs> we went to see... Uh... Oh, no, we did it on Wednesday last week. Because or... we went... No, we did it on Monday. Yeah, we did it really yeah. early. I just remember what we did on Thursday. That's why I'm like, wait a minute. We didn't do this on Thursday. <laughs> In the scene where Colonel Nicholson ruminates on the completed bridge to Saito, actor and director argued over how the scene should be shot. Guinness wanted a close-up of his face. I'm not fighting anymore. When Lean insisted shooting him from behind. Shooting him from behind. <laughs> Nevertheless, Guinness loved his dialogue and deliberately timed his delivery to coincide with the setting of the sun. I missed that one last time I, we read yeah, this. Yeah, I don't remember that one. The bridge cost $250,000 to build, and construction began before anyone had even been cast in the movie. Real-life construction of the bridge on the River Kwai, sorry, over the River Kwai, used about 100,000 conscripted Asian laborers. 12,000 prisoners of war died on the project. That's depressing yeah, as hell. it is. Let's not talk. It's a bridge. It's a big bridge, though. Yeah. I mean, I can... We'll s- get to the bridge. The bridge is in my trivia. By the way, I found your original summary. What was my original summary? Why is Obi-Wan Kenobi building this bridge? No, doesn't why have, isn't Obi... Does, doesn't he have things to do on Tatooine? Oh, okay. That's what your original No, I was. still like, why doesn't Obi-Wan just use the force to build the bridge? All right, I like that one better. Yep, me too. For the scenes where William Holden, Jack Hawkins, Jeffrey Horn, and the native girls have to wade through the swamps, they were wading through specially created ones. The real sh- swamps in... <sighs> I couldn't say this last time. <laughs> C-E-Y-L-O-N. Ceylon. 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 However, the jungle. We're going to call it the jungle, and that's what we did on the last episode, because I'm not jungle. fighting with it. We're deemed to be too dangerous. Nevertheless, the leeches recreated in the swamps were real. The leeches in the recreated swamps were real. Sentences. <laughs> Making Words sense. are good. Words are fun. So, three. William Holden, I'm keep counting. <laughs> then a major star, was brought into the project to, devi- to provide box office appeal after Cary Grant turned down the role. He received $300,000 up front and was guaranteed a 10% share of the profits to be paid at the rate of $50,000 a year. This is one reason why Holden sued to stop the first American television showing of the film in 1966 claiming it would hurt future box office receipts on which he was dependent. The lawsuit was unsuccessful. Because the film made so much money, his shares eventually accumulated to the point where the studio was making more off the interest on the unpaid balance than Holden was paid per year. A settlement was reached where Holden was paid a lump sum and any future payments were willed to a motion picture relief fund. Oh. During one point during during one point during the filming, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, oh, my head hurts. In Bethlehem <laughs> on Christmas Eve, lying in the manger with the North Star. Good Ooh, Lord. Can I be one of the three wise men? Sure. I'm not very smart. What at one point during the filming, <laughs> David Lean nearly drowned when he was swept away by a river current and Jeffrey Horn saved his life. This movie's cursed. No, it's not. not. (laughs) Producer Sam Spiegel wanted to release the movie by or the or Poltergeist. Yeah, that too. Wanted to release the movie by December thirty first, nineteen fifty seven, which was the deadline for the movie to be eligible for the Academy Awards for that year. But by early December nineteen fifty seven, the movie had no music score and no composer. Spiegel. 
hired Malcolm Arnold to compose the score, which Arnold completed in 10 days for a two and a half hour movie. That is freaking ridiculous. The movie was released prior to the 1957 Academy Awards consideration deadline, and Arnold was rewarded with the 1957 Academy Awards for Best Music Score for 10 days. Days of work. At that point, wouldn't you write all your music that quick? No, I would never write music again. I'd be I'm done. Well, of course, yeah. I suppose if you win an Oscar for your music writing that you did in 10 days time. I'm done. I can't top that. Yeah, I think you'd be like, all right. All right. The only way that the only way you could top it is if you do it in less time. Yeah, and still in a win week. the Oscar. Yeah, be like, okay, my goal I is mean, to write we, the there's score. There's been some movies that have done it real quick, but I mean, that's a really damn, that's fast really turnaround quick. time. That's the fast turnaround time to then win the music award. Like, yeah, especially because if you think about it, I don't believe there was. No, I know there was no computer technology no. to compose music at this point. He did that all by hand in yep. ten days. Yep, all done by hand. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Good that's job. That's like Mozart level <laughs> shit right there. He's a prop. Uh, Pierre Boulet actually had been a prisoner of war in Thailand. His creation of Colonel Nichols- Nicholson was an amalgam of his memories of various French officers who collaborated with his captors. Um, for the scene where Colonel Nicholson emerges from the oven after several days confined there, Alec Guinness based his faltering walk on that of his son Matthew Guinness when he was recovering from polio. Guinness regarded this one tiny scene as some of the finest work he did throughout his entire career. Never mind the lightsaber battle with Darth Vader. Remember, he hates Star Wars. I know he hates Star Wars, and I hate him for hating Star Wars. I don't understand. I need to look that up. You keep talking. After the final scene was shot, producer Sam Spiegel shipped the film footage on five different planes to minimize the risk of loss. I have a real fun fact about that later. I remember. That's the truth. That's the one piece of trivia Uh I remember you reading. (laughs) All right. While David Lean didn't always get along with everyone in the cast, he was very fond of William Holden. Lean found Holden to be extremely professional, and he felt that Holden's considerable talent often went unnoticed, in part because the actor made everything look so effortless. I miss that one, too. The film's eight months of shooting began in October of 1956. A scouting expedition uh, of the real River Kwai had shown it was an unsuitable location for filming, as it appeared to be nothing more than a trickling stream. The producer finally, production finally settled on a tiny, tiny village called Kitulgula. Kitulgula? Insi- ins- oh, it's now Sri Lanka. We'll just say Sri Lanka. That works. It's now in Sri Lanka. Thank you. I can say that. <laughs> the site was remote, so a compound of bungalows had to be built for the film crew. Mr. Hayakawa edited his copy of the script to contain only his lines of dialogue. This way, he remained oblivious to the real nature of his character's fate. For one sunset scene, David Lean specifically traveled 150 miles to capture it. Hmm. That's right. I remember that one too. I remember that one being. Uh, I didn't read that last time. No, I don't you think, did. did I? Tra- See, I don't if even you didn't remember read it what on I read. Mike, you read. You told me that off, Mike. But oh, I remember okay. them traveling far to get, capture that friggin' sunset. Which nowadays they would just do stock footage or just do digitally, <laughs> which is sad. But when William Holden first arrived on the set, he was greeted with crew compliments regarding David complaints regarding David Lean's attitude. That's a very different. Different word right there. (laughs) Holden immediately responded like a sports coach corralling his team and gave a rousing speech about how they all knew the quality of the script and the director. 
Reading, 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 reading. Oh, okay. I'm going to save all this information for when we actually do Star Wars. Okay. Because this is interesting. Like, Alec Guinness's opinion. Will you tell me off mic? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you off mic, but I'm going to save it for... Because, kids, get ready. That Star Wars episode is going to be a doozy. That's going to be like... I'm planning on that one being like an hour and a half. Yeah. That's going to be a long episode. Because we're also in like the last handful of movies at that point. The last handful of movies are going to get a little intense, I think. I Honestly, I would have to say probably... Especially the Star Wars one, because shit's going to go down, kids. Yep. Like the last 15 episodes... Expect actually, I guess you could start at the Wonderful Life. That's twenty, but the last fifteen expect them to be longer yeah. episodes because we're gonna really get into some of them. Like I know we're gonna get into Godfather and Star Wars. So, anyways, continue on. I'm gonna bookmark all of this stuff okay. so I do not forget this because this is some interesting reading. Like his opinions on stuff. So interesting. Yeah, I feel like they added more trivia <laughs> in since the last, last week. week. <laughs> I know they didn't. But see, now you have a fresh eyes, you're yes. looking at it. Maybe this is how we need to record these episodes. We watch the movie and then don't record the podcast for like a right? week later. <laughs> Just to let some time for it to soak in, I guess. I don't know. William Holden shaved his chest for many his many beefcake scenes in the movie. That scene. Oh, God. <laughs> I used I'm, beefcake in quotation fingers yes. because it's in quotations in the thing. I will, I will discuss. We will talk more about that when we get to these stuffing things with Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hayakawa was 68 years old when he was cast as Saito. Having limited command of the English language, he focused only on those pages of the script in which he had dialogue, and the rest of the pages he tore out. The completed script was about one inch thick. Hayakawa's, with the pages turned out, was about an eighth of an inch thick. Wow. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not really adding much to the conversation here. I'm trying to. Lawrence do, like, Olivier was offered the part of Colonel Nicholson, but turned it down in order to direct the Prince and the Showgirl from 1957 instead. In retrospect, Olivier had said that it was a sensible direction to go off and do love scenes with Marilyn Monroe rather than tough it out in the jungles of Sri Lanka with David Lean. Good point. I think. Mm, yeah, darn. I don't know which of those two I would rather choose. I seriously don't think some of these were here when I read it, or I just skimmed over it. The real bridge on the River Kwai was bombed by future actor Paul Pisserni while serving as a bombardier for the U.S. Army for Air, Army Air Forces. Mr. P- Pers- Pisserni, pick, pick. Pickerney, 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 Mr. Pickerney, P-I-C-E-R-N-I, Pickerney, Pickerney, it Pickerney. Like what did Pickerney. I say? Pisserni? 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 Co-starred in The Untouchables from 1987, which I've never seen, and appeared in dozens of TV shows and films, including Miracle in the Rain and 12 O'Clock High, in the latter having played a bombardier. you never seen The Untouchables? No. Nope. Kevin Costner and nope. Sean Connery? I have gotten it from the library on many occasions, and I think it's on Netflix now, and I've just never had the attention span or um, appropriate time to do it. Kevin Costner... Sean Connery, Robert De Niro. No, I know who's like, in it. It's a, a gangster movie and I need to watch it. Yeah. Because it's, it's Al Capone, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's another one of those movies where it's like you watch that and you go, oh, I get like 12 other movies movie references now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Lot, like, I know I do. I need to watch it. Usually it's like the staircase shootout sequence is very, is very well spoofed. Like it's a very good movie. <clears throat> Around the time he was offered the bridge on the River Kwai, David Lean had little money and was in very much need, in need of a new project. He was contracted for $150,000 to be paid in installments. As soon as he signed, Lean borrowed $2,000 from Columbia Pictures to get his teeth fixed. 
Awesome. Yeah, I need these fixed. Oh, in 1957. I'm going to do an inflationation just on that because I'm curious. Alec Guinness turned down the role of Colonel Nicholson saying, I can't imagine anyone wanting to watch a stiff upper lip British colonel for two and a half hours. He had also, cl- sorry, I said he initially turned it down, right? Alec Guinness initially turned it down. That's what you role? meant. Okay, we'll yeah. go with that. Um, he had also clashed with David Lean when they made Oliver Twist in 1948. <laughs> so 10 years later and they're still yep. $16,000 to have your teeth done. I guess that makes sense. That's, That's a lot, a lot of, money. of money. It's a lot of money to borrow, but he probably didn't have insurance for teeth work. No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying oh, to Oh, that find... was a complete tangent about teeth work. Later! Yes, and the last time it just was you whistling. Ah, when the film was first released in theaters, Allegan's oh. name was misspelled in the opening credits using only one N in his last name. The There's... error has since been corrected. There is two N's. There it's like is. the beer, right? Isn't Guinness spelled like that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. G-U-I-N-N-E-S-S. Sorry, I don't drink it. No. David Lee. Okay, so I'm really confused because I've now read trivia facts that said Guinness initially turned it down, and he, but he was the first choice for the role. Now I'm reading that David Lean was initially opposed to the idea of Alec Guinness playing Colonel Nicholson. He felt that Guinness lacked the size that the role required, but Sam Spiegel was keen on hiring the actor. Spiegel invited Alec Guinness to dinner, hoping to entice him to take the part. At the start of the meal, Guinness was emphatic that he would not play the role. By the end of the evening, the two men were discussing what sort of wig Guinness would wear. Such were the persuasive powers of Sam Spiegel. So maybe maybe what it was was maybe it was one of those where like Seriously, Guinness I was, was a zombie when I read these. I don't <laughs> I'm missing half of these. But maybe like Guinness was offered the role and he said no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And then the direct but then like the other people were like no, get Guinness and the director's like no, I don't want Guinness to do the role and then it eventually became in that point. So maybe it's like both stories could very well still be true. It's just that it was like no neither one of them wanted to work on the film or wanted him to be on the movie and then it eventually just became some that. consider the film to be an insulting parody of british lieutenant colonel philip tuzzi the real senior allied officer at the bridge the, a former prisoner at the camp states that it is unlikely that a man like the fictional nicholson could have risen to the rank of lieutenant colonel and if he had due to his collaboration he would have been quietly eliminated by the other prisoners Ooh, interesting the movie also depicts the japanese as poor engineers Many Japanese at the time were, in fact, graduates of some of the best engineering schools, including several American and British universities. I would never claim that the Japanese were bad engineers. How did they not get... In, not in real life. Well, in the movie, maybe. Was but. it Was it because... In the movie, was it because, like, they were talking, like, that the bridge was being built at the wrong spot? Because you made the comment that, like, the... the all, like, everything they do just keeps getting washed away because, like, the sediment in the, like, in the water, like, the riverbed or something like that. Yeah. And he talked about that they needed to be built, like, further oh, down. Is that why they were considered to be know. bad engineers? Weird. Why do I remember that portion of the movie? That is friggin' ridiculous. I don't know, because I'm like, what are they talking about? Yeah, okay. he talked about the being in the wrong spot. They needed to move the bridge I apparently just scrolled down to the spoilers last time I read these, because these are the ones I remember reading. Oh, okay. After the filming was completed on the exploding bridge sequence, uh, the, which cost an enormous amount of money and time, rumor has it that the footage disappeared somewhere between Sri Lanka and London. It was finally discovered two weeks later, sitting in the intense heat out on the runway at the airport in Cairo, Egypt. And miraculously, the footage was undamaged. Two things. One, that's freaking amazing that the footage did not get damaged after having been sat out on the hot as hell runway for that in long. In the desert in, the desert. in Egypt. Granted, it's a dry heat, but... It's still <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. I'm surprised it didn't freaking melt. And two, 
That's where digital film comes in handy. Metal container. Yes, which it would have been back then. Yeah, even now. Nowadays, it's just tapes. Nowadays, it's like hard drives. But still, it would have been too hot for the hard drive. I like to pretend that it's still. They still use. They do. It makes me sad. Certain directors do still use film. When was the last time you went to a movie and like the film like melted or you know know. jammed up? And I remember that happening. Seeing like Lord of the Rings. I think that was still on. uh, Having, like actual like reels at that point. That's my that's always my story with Titanic, which I know I mentioned. Is that oh I saw God. Titanic at the end of its life in the theater, and the print was just ruined. I just now realized that we've quit seeing cigarette burns in yes, the corners. We have. Oh my God! I need a minute. Yeah. Fight Club is now dated. It's 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 dated in that movie. I mean, granted, the movie is almost twenty years old, if not twenty years old. It was in 95, was it not? No, it's like 97. Was it 99? 99 or 97. So even so, it's 15 years old. It's 15 years old. Still, it's 15 Jesus. years old. Yes. But it's a good point. Yeah, in 15 years, because because everything's going digital, even... Our, I just got really sad, because I used to love... Our friend TC made the comment about... Because he used to work the projector booth, he said. Yeah, I know. But that he no longer does, because everything's digital. So now it's just, you basically push a button. That's horrible. Goes. I'm angry right now. The whole day of you having to, like, feed the film through the, you know, the wheel. That's why, like... Jimmy Stewart used to do that. That was one of his first jobs. Well, nowadays, he would put a tape in a computer and hit play. <laughs> No, I'm really sad. Jimmy Stewart's life would have been a hell of a lot easier. I'm really sad about this. You have no idea. <laughs> okay. This is why we need to open up our own movie theater. That we have actually talked legit. about that. Yes, we have. Like, played legit film. Let's not like, talk about that right now. The destruction of the bridges <sighs> depicted in the film is entirely fictional. In reality, there were two bridges built, a temporary wooden one and a permanent steel and concrete one a few months later. Both bridge, bridges were used for two years until they were destroyed by air, uh, Allied aerial bombings. The steel bridge was repaired and is still in use today. Yes. I think the supports for the bridges stayed up when they were bombed. And I think it's because I, I remember looking that up. I think the supports are there. Yeah. The physical bridge was completely ruined. Yeah. So, because you can go and see the actual bridge. Right. Like the real bridge. Not again, not the ones not from the, the movie. movie the actual one that it's all based on. And I think, I thought I was reading that like the support beams are the originals that were still there. Or a majority of the original. They have been obviously fixed over the years. It's been a while. On the first take of the final bridge sequence, the explosions on the bridge didn't detonate. The train crossed safely over... Only to crash down a hill on the other side. <laughs> After the bridge was blown, souvenir hunters swarmed all over the set claiming pieces of timber. Alec Guinness never saw the bridge blow up in person. He had completed all his scenes and returned to England when the explosion was filmed. Which must be interesting to actually watch the movie and go, oh, look, the bridge exploded. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> Uh, when the bridge in the story was constructed by prisoners in two months, the actual one built in Sri Lanka by a British company for the filming, it was a hundred, 425 feet long and 50 feet above the water, took eight months with the use of 500 workers and 35 elephants. It was demolished in a matter of seconds and the total cost was 1.2 million pounds as of 2002. In 2002. The film was relatively faithful to the original novel with two major exceptions. Shears, who is a British commando officer like Warden in the novel, became an American soldier who escapes from the POW camp. In the novel, the bridge was not destroyed. The train plummets into the river from a secondary charge placed by Warden, but Nicholson, never realizing what have I done, does not fall under the plunger and the bridge only suffers minor damage. The author nonetheless enjoyed the film 
throughout, though he disagreed with its climax. Mm. The end. The end. I missed some really good ones. I'm yeah, really glad we re-recorded this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's now 10 minutes over what yeah, it was before. It was. <laughs> so I'm going to do everything in mine in about 10 seconds, and then we'll wrap everything up and be done. No, I'm joking. All right, so let's move on. We're going to do Inflation Nation first, and then we'll go on to stuff and things. Uh, Inflation Nation is pretty small this week, primarily because it's a movie that takes place at a, you know, Prisoner of War camp yeah, and on a bridge. It's nothing funny. There's no money, Not really. first off. Oh, there is no money. <laughs> so I want to do Inflation Nation. Um, the two that I have, this was this was from our previous take of this episode. Right. Um, there was two different costs of how much the bridge actually cost to make in the film. So again, these are not these were not mentioned in the movie. This is just based upon facts. Right. One report said the 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 bridge cost 250,000 American dollars. Mm-hmm. Another one said it cost $53,000. Mm. So I did the inflation nation for both of them. Right. So the $250,000 in 1957 to today would be $2.1 million. The $53,000 from 1957 to today would be about a half a million dollars, $447,000. So it basically cost them anywhere from a half a million dollars to over $2 million to make this bridge. And nobody remembers what it actually is. (laughs) So it's interesting. All right. So I got five stuff and things with Jeff, and then we'll get on to our final thoughts. Yay! Number one. There's more to the Colonel Bogey March song? (laughs) They they went into another... That's the whistling one. We didn't mention that. I didn't talk about that in the trivia. They went into another portion. Yeah, it was like, there's more whistling. I didn't know that. Number two. Is this what Obi-Wan was doing during the Great Clone Wars that Princess Leia was talking about? Which one of those guys was Bail Organa? That's what I'm curious to know. Number three. Swagger stick. I forgot about Swagger Stick. Swagger Stick. (laughs) I like that. Number four, William Holden decided, fuck this, I'm going to go to a beach movie about an hour and 20 minutes into the film. Yep. Because as you were saying, the beefcake sequences in the movie, there's one in particular that's, it looks like, it looks like they put the wrong reel in the movie because all of a sudden it cuts to like this beach resort and yeah. it's on a beach and there's William Holden and his like swimsuit and he's like coming out of the water and he's going laying down next to a really pretty girl and they're talking and like it looks like it became a beach movie like a beach romantic like love film in the 60s right. it was weird and finally number five those are giant Bats. Fucking I forgot bats. about the giant scary bats. Oh my god, they looked like they were the size of humans. They're huge. Like the bat was They're hanging. Scary bats. And then like it like the camera panned with the flying bat, and there was a person in the shot, and those bats looked like they were human size. Yeah. Like I'm I if okay. If I was to ever Oh no, Jeff's gonna talk about the bats. See a giant bat that size. I would just probably fall to the ground and just go, okay, whatever you want to do with I'm me. Done. I'm done. Done, world. Because that's ridiculous. So, anyways, that's all I got for stuff and things and the Inflation Nation for this week's episode. Just primarily because there wasn't a lot. It's hard to do funny stuff when it's not a funny movie or one that we can make jokes. I'm mad. Why are you mad? Because I was going to stop by the library on my way home. And the library's, library's closed, closed until 2. No, it's closed over the rest of the day now. Oh, no, they closed the rest of the day. Yep. Yeah, I know. I was already trying to be there. <laughs> I have Cosmos by Carl Sagan waiting for me on the hold shelf and Death by Black Hole by Neil deGrasse Tyson, who we're going to see in December. 
to the tune of like almost a hundred bucks. <laughs> the tickets were only supposed to be thirty five, and then fees and shit bumped it to like a hundred bucks. Damn. Not a piece. Total. For both of us. Yeah. Okay. Still, it's expensive. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. So let's go on to the final thoughts, Lindsay. Your okay. final thoughts regarding the bridge on the over the river Kwai. I was excited to watch it. Yes. And I liked it, mm-hmm. but it's a little long. It is a little long. There's there's a probably a good, how much, like half hour, you think, that could have been cut out of yes. it? Yes. Like, it feels like it does draw out a little bit too long. to Not get... drag. No, it doesn't drag. No. But it does draw it out for a while. Right. Like, you could have cut a few things out yeah. of it just to make it a little quicker, yeah. a little shorter. And I think you'd have been okay. You'd have still got the same emotion of the film, but... Obviously, what are we to know? Because it won Best Picture and Best Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good film, yeah. I, I like it. The last time I watched it was high school. And I had never seen it. And I remembered like half the movie. I But there was still stuff in this movie. I was like, I don't remember that. I right. do not remember William Holden being on the beach. I do not remember that at all in this movie. Yeah, I just was waiting for like Frankie and Annette to show up. <laughs> Hi, that's a dated reference that I got most it, people though. our generation got to get. I suppose most people for our generation are stupid. I know. Uh, <laughs> we just insulted like half our listening audience. I'm I'm pretty sure that most of our listening audience know who Frankie and Annette are. I, I do hope so. I do hope so. Because they know. Because Frankie Avalon, is he still alive? Nefunicello's dead. Yeah, she just died. She died. Well, no, she didn't just uh, die. She died a while ago. Yeah, within recent time. Yeah. Frankie Avalon's still alive. Okay. But, uh, you know what? I did not realize Alec Guinness died in 2000. Wait, Alec Guinness is dead? Yeah, he was 86 when he died. Oh, it's because I get Alec Guinness and Laurence Olivier confused. Oh. And Laurence Olivier is still alive, is he not? <laughs> You're asking me that Who question. are we talking about? And I was surprised that they were still alive, and then I was terrified that they'd be dead. Because we ta- when we talked about it with um, Peter O'Toole, and then he died. That's true. Um, I do not remember who the other one was that was the... No, because Lawrence Olivier died in 89. Okay. So he's died, he's gone too. Shoot. It, it was one of the movies we just recently watched too. <laughs> you know something? I don't remember. They... Oh, no. Sorry. Elegantus died in Sussex, England. Or Lawrence Olivier died in West Sussex. Oh, There's fair something enough. going on with the <laughs> Sussex area of England. Oh, boy. Don't move there. No. So, anyways, I'm going to save the information about... Oh, uh, uh, it was, um... <laughs> Frickin' frack. I'm not gonna remember. That is not an actor's name. Think Warren about Beatty. it. Was it Warren Beatty? No, it wasn't no, Warren Beatty. No, because he was doing movies up until like five years ago. I know. Shit. I don't remember who it was. Keep it in your mind. If I'll you think tell about you in it, the next episode. In the next episode, okay. we'll talk about it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you like the movie? Yeah, I did you like, like the, the movie. movie. Recommend it to people probably. Yeah. If you like movies of this genre, if you're not a, you know, war movie kind of person or history or... Yeah. You probably wouldn't you know. enjoy it. I feel like it's a movie for people who like all the stories, like World War II movies, like war movies, like yeah. that whole era of, Agreed. of of film. So, I agree. I think it, I think it'd be a good movie. Now, so that was this movie. Yes, Lindsay. What is next week's Our next episode? Next movie is Annie Hall, <laughs> which we are going into with an open yes, mind, Jeffrey. Yes, we are. I feel like we get real negative on stuff, and then we end up being surprised. So I'm going into it with an open mind. I'm gonna. I I have. God, do, I don't. I'm remember gonna do if... the right thing. This thing. <laughs> That's what it's called. Ironically, we need to do the right thing and go into the movies with a positive, positive attitude. attitude. That's so 
meta. Oh my god. Oh my god. So Don't um, do Valley Girl because I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, apparently you're the only one who doesn't understand what I said. <laughs> I was probably also play, paying half attention because I was looking at Tumblr or oh, something. I loved it. <laughs> Everyone else was like, I understood you. I understood what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys, throw me under the bus. Yeah, a-holes. Everybody will receive their checks in the mail for that episode. Thank you. Uh, anywho, <laughs> I mean, what? I didn't pay everybody to say that. So um, yeah, so Annie Hall is our next it next is. episode. So yeah. I look forward to uh, watching like that under movie. the microphone. Yeah, you are. It's weird. <laughs> and Lindsay's back. <laughs> I was uh, talking to the bottom of the microphone. I want to see what was going on. That's not where the microphone's at. No, the feet do not record. No, I was voice. looking at the bruise on my shin. Ah. The bruise in your shin also does not record. No, voice. it doesn't. <laughs> well, with that, everybody. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. It's all filled from here. Yeah. yeah. Good night, Radio Rahim. And good night, CK Dexter Haven. CK Dexter Haven. CK Dexter Haven. No music for this episode. Why is there no music for this because episode? Because we're going to do this. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Off key. <laughs> it was so good on the last one and then you ruined it because you started talking in the middle okay do it again oh, do it again <laughs> no why do you go down it's have I been doing this wrong my whole life See that's fine. We're just gonna go with that. Maybe I'm doing like a like a like a harmony portion. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. Just shut. It. Bye everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Goodbye. Oh my gosh. Never doing that again. Oh uh, no. <laughs> Hello, Internet Dwellers. This is Jeff Bell, president of the Ghost Hat Network, here at the end of this episode to give a quick plug about some of our other exciting shows. But wait a minute, Jeff. You have other shows? Why, yes, random listener, we do. If you head over to ghosthat.net, you can find a heap of shows we produce on a semi-regular basis. Like Super Happy Fun Time, the podcast where Colin Kirchner and myself sit one-on-one and talk movies, TV, video games, and other big things we care about. The Midnight Sleuth, a comedy detective mystery show in the style of old-time radio that follows the adventures of Midnight Sleuth and his partner, Linda Talbot, as they solve crimes, stop the bad guys, and poke fun at the source material. Famous Person Storytime, a podcast where celebrities retell their favorite nursery rhymes or fairy tales as best as they can remember it, even if that memory is completely wrong. So if you're in need of some new shows to listen to on your commute, while working out, or simply relaxing at home, be sure to head over to ghosthat.net now and subscribe to our shows. For more information about this and other projects, visit our official website at www.ghosthat.net or like us on Facebook at facebook.com ghosthat. 